Hey, I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and lifestyle fulfillment coach, which means I've dedicated my entire life to helping anyone who feels like they're not making the most of their potential to level up and live the extraordinary life of their dreams. You deserve to be the king or queen of your own kingdom, and I'll be alongside to help you be the best version that you can be. I'm psyched that you're here, so let's get to it. It's Johnny King on the mic. Thank you for checking in with me. And today I want to talk about relationships because I love talking about relationships. And uh, there's a book called Calling in the One by Catherine Woodward Thomas. And I read it years ago. And I read it ultimately as a, (laughs) well, one of my good girlfriends uh, who I met through a mastermind that I was in during 2018 when I was doing a lot of deep searching just professionally and personally, she invited me and she's like, Hey, two of my other girlfriends are going to read this book. You know, like, it'd be awesome if you'd be up for it. And we'd love to have like a guy's perspective. Would you be up for it? I'm like, yeah, of course. And, and truthfully, the, the majority of the good books that I've read on love and relationships are books that are written by women typically for women. Um, I think there's, there's obviously more and more books and more and more, you know, male relationship and love coaches that are coming to the forefront these days, but, um, it's not always been the case. And so this book, I was like, she's like, (laughs) it's very much of a chick chick book, but, uh, if you can work yourself through it, I think you'll find a lot of value. I was like, absolutely. I mean, I've grown up learning these, you know, and reading these books. I remember the very first um, personal growth, personal development book that I can remember reading was one that I found on my mom's desk. I think I was in fifth or sixth grade. And I remember picking it up and being intrigued by it and reading the back of the book. And the book was called Will Our Love Last? And why did I find it on my mom's desk? I think she was reading it because, you know, Again, if you've heard my story, my father ultimately, after she passed away from cancer in 2006, in 2008, my father came out uh, of the closet, informed us all that he was gay. He informed us that my mom knew about it while they were married. So, you know, I, I, the challenge again is that we never really have gotten my mom's side of the story, but you can kind of, I guess, make up some stories and connect some dots and that sort of thing. But that's got to be... You know, if you're married to someone who you find out is, um, is kind of a a closet homosexual, that's, you know, in support of them. And my mom absolutely loved and I know probably still loves my father without a doubt, but there's still got to be some recognition of like, okay, well, I'm never going to probably get the love that I ultimately want. And so, um, that book, Will Our Love Last, I think probably unconsciously, or subconsciously maybe helped me or, or, or at least maybe piqued my curiosity as to why she was reading it. And so I said, Hey mom, like, can I read this book? She's like, sure. I was like, cool. Maybe we can, it's like my first book club <laughs> with my mom. Um, and so we read that book. And so this book kind of reminds me of that book. Um, this book that I'm referring to here, calling in the one. And again, fast forward to a couple of years ago, 
I ultimately ended up reading it with my friend and her two friends bailed. <laughs> so, um, but you know, we would just agree to read a certain amount of the book and then we would kind of catch up over the phone once a week and, and talk about what, what really resonated and what didn't and things like that. At the end of each like chapter or lesson, she actually has like practices or things that you can do. And so her story, I won't go into the whole, I won't go into her whole story, but ultimately she has had uh, real struggles, you know, calling in the one, finding her long lasting love. And, you know, she's like eight months away from her birthday. And she's like, I want to be engaged by my birthday. And her friends are like, are you crazy? Like you've not had that much success. But ultimately she makes it happen. And she's happily married to this day, I guess, um, with the same guy, as far as I know. I could be wrong, but don't fact check me on it. <laughs> uh, or do, it doesn't matter. But ultimately the, the book is great. And I took tons of notes. Um, and so if you're tuning in, hopefully you are um, interested in relationships, finding that intimate relationship. And this episode is going to be maybe particularly aimed at those um, those who are still struggling to find that person. Now, last night I was playing a little a little church league softball, hitting some bombs. Um, actually, I didn't. Not last night. A couple of weeks ago I did. But anyways, that's besides the point. I was uh, hitting some base hits and some doubles. And after the game, let's see, isn't that irrelevant? Why do I even go into that? It doesn't matter. So I was after the game, I was talking with my good friend. And she was just kind of, she fills me in like week by week on kind of some of her her wins and her her learning lessons through her dating adventures of, you know, dating apps and everything else. Now, I've, I'm very familiar with that space because I've been kind of doing that on and off for years and with, you know, some levels of success and other levels of, of failure. And this first part in this book has me thinking about her, thinking about me, thinking about so many of people out there. And this may really resonate with you if you're still looking for the love of love of your life. And that is in this book, um, she goes on to say, and I'll, I'll quote her in some of this. Um, she said, December of 1998, in response to my little epiphany about my widower semi-boyfriend, Daniel, um, i.e. after six months of dating and no New Year's Eve date, get a clue, girlfriend, I did what most of us do. I called one of my best friends to complain. Now, what I wanted her to do was to be in cahoots with me by making Daniel and, for that matter, all men in general, wrong. Instead, she asked me what I was avoiding by choosing to be alone in life. The question startled me. I had so longed for a healthy, committed partnership with a man whom I could love and respect that I hadn't even considered that I might actually be invested in being alone. Yet, as much as the question irritated me, I had to confess that the idea resonated as true. The more I sat with it, the more I realized that I love my freedom in spite of my complaints to the contrary. I loved being accountable to anyone. I loved not being accountable to anyone. 
I loved keeping my options open. In fact, I had to admit that I was terrified of being emotionally dependent on anyone and vulnerable to the possibility of being left. Now, I highlighted that because I think that was, uh, and still to some extent, what I feared. I mean, having been in a uh, marriage and in other relationships where you get your heart broken, it's very easy to, yeah, to feel that uh, that sense of like being triggered or just being really scared of being hurt again. And so I think if, if you're listening to this and you've been in similar situations, I'm sure that resonates as well. And that is something where you really do have to look at like, oh, no, I want to be in love. I want to be. Yes, that's true. And yet we always do more to avoid pain than we will to gain pleasure. And so when it comes to relationships, if we're more scared of actually getting our heart broken than we are with getting this, you know, (laughs) you know, like, uh, what am I thinking of? Uh, Fairy tale. Thank you. I was thinking fantasy. This fairy tale, like, love life and relationship, then a lot of times we will end up doing things that sabotage our own, you know, successes in relationships. And so I think that's something that you could go back and really look at for yourself. If you are, if you've been single for a while and you're still single, you know, and as my friend keeps saying, like, what am I doing to attract these, these type of men? I'm always like, I don't know if that's the best question that you should be asking yourself. I think the question that I think makes more sense, again, is the one that she just said in her book right here, which was like, she said, the more I sat with it, the more I realized that I love my freedom in spite of my complaints. Like, what am I avoiding or what am I gaining by choosing to be alone, choosing to be single in life. So I put that out there to, to you because I think it's worth thinking about. And I've thought a lot about it. I'm like, what? I don't know. What is that? Well, you avoid, you know, asking anyone <laughs> to do anything. You know, like if you want to do something, if you want to sleep in, if you want to get up, if you want to go travel, if you, like being single, it's very easy because when you want to make a decision, you make a decision is a lot more difficult when you've got someone else that you love in your life because you cannot only think about yourself, right? So if I'm going to spend this money, if I want to do these things, sometimes you have to get some buy-in from your partner, right? So there's so many different things that we that are costs and payoffs for being single, for being in a relationship for being in a relationship that you're really unhappy with, but you're not willing to let it go, right? There's so many times, whether, whether again, whether you're single, whether you're in a relationship where it's quote unquote complicated, it's complicated because we're making it complicated, right? Because a lot of times we're more afraid of letting go of whatever it is that we feel like we couldn't live without, or we are happy with good enough than we are with actually getting uh, the extraordinary or exceptional in our lives. So she goes on to say that uh, she started doing some meditating and and her meditating was bringing her some very spiritual um, reflections and, and answers. 
And so as it says in the book, she says, I spent Saturday nights at home alone going through my things, burning old love letters and deleting old emails that I've saved for no reason other than to feel less lonely. I gave away jewelry given to me by former lovers. I put away poems that I'd inspired. I went through my apartment removing any images that reflected loneliness, sorrow, or isolation, replacing them with things and pictures that represented love, union, and joy. Um, what she says, uh, I wrote page after page after page in my by now tattered journal, getting to the bottom of my aloneness, reflecting upon all the ways in which it worked for me to be in and live in a solitary life. And upon, upon all of the things I did to ensure it in spite of my protestations to the contrary. Um, she said it was very uncomfortable to let go of my past before there was any evidence of something new. It was also disquieting to release the way I was always seen, that I had always seen myself, my identity, so to speak. Getting rid of so many things that defined who I was left me with a tremendous void that danced in the pit of my stomach. However, I really believe that if you want to create something wonderful in your life, if you truly want to make a big change, you've got to learn to tolerate the in-between times. That's the period in which we let go of who we know ourselves to be in order to allow for the possibility of who we might become. And that is the scariest place. And I know, I mean, I've worked with so many people over the years with coaching. And a lot of times I say, like, there's a three-month minimum for working with me. A lot of times I sign people up for six months. But it's around the 60 to 90-day mark that, that things really start to get scary, right? Because at first it's exciting, you're making some changes, but it's usually around the 60 to 90 day that we start to slip into or, or being pulled back into our old sense of identity. Our old sense of identity doesn't want to die. It doesn't want to let go and it will continue to keep us where we are now and where we're comfortable versus being vulnerable. And it's so scary. And I've said it in the past. It's like, it's like I, I liken it to swing on a trapeze, right? And you're ultimately swinging backwards. <laughs> so you're facing the, the platform that you left. And ultimately, all you want to do is swing your momentum back and get back on that platform that you can see. But where the real adventure is and where life is calling you is to jump on the next trapeze that's behind you. Okay? And so think about it. Like, you get to the point where you're, as, you're about as far away as you, as you are as you can be from that other platform. And then now life or oh, quote unquote, a coach, a trapeze swinging coach is like, okay, on this very next swing, I'm going to want you to let go. And while you're floating through the air, <laughs> I want you to do a 180 and just trust that the next trapeze is going to be there for you to grab onto it. Okay. That's literally how we feel. And if think about it in terms of like, you really don't believe that there's even a safety net underneath you, okay? So to attempt doing this for the first time is super, super scary. Like that's how I felt when I let go of, I mean, my, my, the ex-wife had left. I had left my previous job, um, corporate job. I had no idea what I was going to do. I had no savings. Well, very little savings. I had like 10 grand that I ultimately <laughs> spent in like two months time. So then I started going on credit card debt. I'm going off a tangent here because 
I had to let go of that sense of identity um, because ultimately I knew that, but remaining the same Johnny that I had been, that had created my like vanilla mediocre lifestyle was so painful and was so shitty that I was willing to more, more or less like, even if the, the flying through the air and, and expecting a trapeze to be there and it wasn't, I was happy to, to face plant into the concrete ultimately metaphorically speaking in my life. Cause I was like, whatever, you know, like what else do I have to lose lose? And so that's, what's required a lot of times when you are <laughs> opening yourself up to quote unquote calling in the one, that's what she's referring to. That's how scary it can feel because like she said, it's, it's really, really crazy and it's extremely uncomfortable to be letting go of your past that is comfortable, literally letting go of your past, which is represented by that, that trapeze that you have your hands on right now, to let go and then swing through the air blindly as you're spinning. If you could just see me now, I'm actually doing this. <laughs> actually spinning and believing, listening to your coach or listening to whoever's guiding you, whether it be me or someone else right now who's, you're, you're listening to this and you know like this is resonating, this is what you need to do. But it's one thing to intellectually understand what I'm telling you needs to be done and actually doing it. It's so freaking scary, right? But it has to be done. Otherwise, you're just going to accept swinging. <laughs> You'll probably end up losing momentum on this metaphorical trapeze to where you, you have no more momentum and you're just literally hanging there stagnant. Uh, safe maybe because you're holding on, but you're getting nowhere in life, right? This pattern of having to let go of an older version of you and swing for a new version of you and and swing through the midair in that kind of uncomfortable in-between stage, again, is super scary, but it only gets easier the more often you do it, right? So it's like whether you're stepping into the gym for the first time, you haven't worked out in a decade, or it's maybe having your first child, or you are... <laughs> getting out there and dating again after you've had your heart broken, whatever the case might be, you have to be willing to do it. I'm just telling you right now, it's so scary, but you have to do it. And I think that's why it's so important to have good friendships or a coach or a mentor or someone around there to, to let you know you're going to be okay and just say, trust me, and to encourage you for yourself to actually go for it. And so I ultimately ended up doing this very same process at the end of... Well, no, I guess this was like beginning of 2019. Yeah. Anyways, that doesn't matter. But but in reading this this book, there is a part where she recommends that you do the exact same thing that she's talking about. And so I, it was perfect because I, I had also really looked at and and as she talks about, do you have space, both mentally. Um, romantically, physically, do you have space for a loved one to come into your life, right? Meaning like, are you a workaholic? Do you have no time for them? I've thought about that a lot. So I, I started creating that lifestyle that I was in love with that also created room and space that when she came into it, I had time. I created, I've created my lifestyle exactly the way that I have it right now so that I have time and flexibility to go travel or take the afternoon off in a weekday, you know, or go skiing or go camping for a couple of days or go on like a random 
romantic getaway on a Tuesday night, right? Like that's all super important to me. So that too, when, when I, when I find her and we settle down, let's say we start having kids that I also have the, the freedom and the capacity to be present for children. And I'm not just like flying everywhere and I'm an absent father. Okay. So whatever it is for you, you have to be willing to create that space. But then also physically, <laughs> I started looking around. And at this point, a couple of years ago, I was in this little man cave of an apartment. And it was comfortable. It was, it just served its purpose, right? But it wasn't anything that I was like super proud of. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, welcome to my man cave. It's like dark and kind of had to go down some stairs. It's like not totally in a basement. There was, you know, some windows. But um, when when you looked at like the actual space, it was perfect for a single bachelor. But was there a closet space for her? Hell no. I filled up the whole thing. Was there a night? There was actually a nightstand. Okay. But in terms of like any space for a woman to come in and be a part of my world, let's say if she were to, to move in with me, hell no. So that got me thinking like, okay, you know what? There's certain things that are out of my control. And there's certain things that are within my control. What's within my control is creating again that lifestyle and that environment which supports love. And so ultimately I ended up, you know, uh, signing a contract and building a new home and moving into it just about a year ago, actually, almost a year ago. What is today? Yeah. Um, which is a lot bigger of a place and, uh, that, that definitely has room for a plus one. And so I say all this because man, before I moved out of my other apartment, my man cave, I went through and I, I really started looking at the fact that I had just energetically, I still had so many different relics or whatever you want to call them, um, things, letters, t-shirts, gifts, um, just a ton of different stuff from, from, from 15 years, 20 years of, you know, relationships with amazing women. And yet, why did I still have all that stuff? Like, I really hadn't thought about it. But when I really started looking at it, (laughs) again, I had like, I probably had like eight t-shirts that had been given to me by girlfriends at the time. I had books and journals and I mean, so many thoughtful things. But when I looked around my apartment, like, like, oh yeah, that reminds me of her. 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 Like, oh man. So just like Catherine Woodward did in her book here that she said she, she had, you know, Saturday nights home alone, going through things and burning old love letters and deleting old emails. Um, Spotify playlists, you know, uh, different little different things. Right. And so I ultimately, I had like a little ceremony. I burnt a a bunch of things like letters and cards and like, I will love you forever things. And a lot of things where I'm like, okay, well, it just goes to show that, you know, (laughs) life is always evolving and you have to be, it's either growing or it's dying, right? And so when it comes to certain relationships that have, in chapters that have have died or, or ended, closed, you have to be willing to let them go. And so this is what I suggest for you in, in that first 
kind of step in what she kind of recommends in her book, which is first to ask yourself, what are you gaining really? Like what are the benefits of being alone? Okay. How are you, how is that supporting you? Or again, if you're listening to this and you're in a relationship, but you're really not happy with the relationship, what are you gaining by maybe avoiding, um, confrontation, avoiding talking about the elephant in the room, avoiding challenging the relationship to level up and, and thus progress, or maybe it needs to die. What are you gaining from just allowing yourself to settle for mediocrity? Okay. If you're single, again, what, what are you gaining and what's like the, the payoff and the cost of, of remaining single? I've had to ask those questions of myself. And then secondarily, like start looking at the physical space, the emotional and mental, the heart space that you have available for someone else to come into. Because it can be really, really scary. And as I'm in a relationship, it, it can be like, yeah, I, I'm very fully aware of my fears and the things that are being triggered and my desire to want to avoid being hurt once again. And yet, isn't it worth it? Like intellectually, again, I know it's it's worth it. But operationally, a lot of times our primal need to not be hurt and to stay safe and protected will sabotage some of our best efforts, you know, to, to stay in a, a loving relationship. So that's my two cents for you today with this episode is to really dive into asking yourself why you're doing what you're doing, why you've been, you know, accepting being alone. And that might be really tough because there might be part of you that's like, oh, but all the good guys are gone or all the, all the wonderful women, they're married or all the cute guys are gay or all men are pigs or what, you know, whatever the case might be, all women are, you know, bitches or whatever it is that you tell yourself that isn't true, that you're just labeling the opposite sex or, you know, those that you're interested in to justify a story that you've created about why you haven't found whatever it is that you want. Look at that. And then also look at the space that that you live in and look at all your stuff. And I highly recommend it's not easy, but at the end of the day, it's just stuff. It's just stuff. And if your house went up in flames, you probably wouldn't even remember that stuff a month from now. You'd get all new stuff and you'd move on. Life would move on. So I'd say burn it, uh, give it away to charity, give it away to goodwill. Um, yeah. Just give that stuff away because energetically, like, just think about it. Do you want to invite that special someone into your life and be like, oh, hey, where'd you get those candlesticks? And you'd be like, uh, yeah, I got those from previous girlfriend. Or like, oh, I really love that shirt. Where'd you get it? Yeah, I got, it was a gift from one of my past girlfriends. Like, just energetically, that don't work. Okay? So, take it from me. It's not easy work, but it's worth it. And that's what my challenge is for you. And see what happens when you open yourself up to that and create that space. Um, and for me, it literally was having to create a much healthier space mentally, physically. And is it surprising that since I've been in my new house, or maybe a little bit before, last couple of years, I have attracted some of the most amazing women into my life Um they haven't all worked out, but uh, certainly a much higher quality caliber of, of individual than I'd been seeing previous eight years before that. I don't think it's a coincidence. So anyways, 
from my heart to yours, I hope this resonates and lands. And uh, till next time, take care. And I want to thank you so much for listening to The Johnny King Show. And hey, if you got something positive from this episode, please subscribe to the show, share it on your favorite social platform, and then tag me in it so I can say hi. It would also mean the world to me if you wrote a review of the show on Apple Podcasts because I read every single one. Do you feel like there's something that I could be doing better? Awesome. I totally thrive on constructive feedback, and it's always welcome. So if you've got questions or concerns, you can always reach me via email at podcast at johnnyking.com. And then please follow me on Instagram at johnnyking, facebook.com backslash johnnykingmenscoach on my YouTube channel and LinkedIn. Thanks again for joining me. I've been Johnny King. You've been amazing, and we'll catch up with you next time. Take care.